Coming up, breaking down the D-backs comeback win against the Giants. Who has been the D-backs offensive catalyst in July? You saw him last night. And powering the D-backs trade candidates as we get closer to the deadline. Bringing it all down for you next. <laughs> Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there. You can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Segments two and three were recorded before last night's D-backs game. Just want to let you know, FYI, but let's talk about last night's D-backs game because it felt like the D-backs were going to be screwed by that uh, by that Cooper Hummel play, but instead, the D-backs show their heart and they come back against the San Francisco Giants. And I think last night's game was a game where the D-backs had the best manager on the field. And I don't usually say that after a lot of D-backs games, even after their wins. I usually hate the way Toy Lovello manages the game, but last night it was a masterclass by Toy Lovello. I think the disparity between the two managers is what really stood out to me from last night's game because Toy Lovello, he pulls Tyler Gilbert early in last night's game in that fourth inning because we've seen Gilbert earlier this year in starts where it starts to go awry for him early and then all of a sudden there's six runs on the board and the game is blown wide open for the opponent and it feels like the D-backs have to scratch and claw their way back and they probably don't have the offense to do it. But when it started to get a little bit out of control for Tyler Gilbert tonight, Toy Lovello wasted no time and he pulled Tyler Gilbert in that fourth inning for Middleton who got some huge outs in that inning and pitched a really clean inning after that as well. So I thought that was the first big check mark for Toy Lovello. The second one I had was the big time trust he had in Noah Ramirez because we know Noah Ramirez is coming off a terrible June and in his first outing of July, what, the last time we saw Noah Ramirez, didn't he give up like three earned runs? Like Noah Ramirez hasn't been good this season. He hasn't been good the last few times he's made an appearance, especially in high leverage moments. But in this game, Toy Lovello went to Noah Ramirez and it paid off. Noah Ramirez had four strikeouts in 1.1 innings pitch. Every out he recorded was a strikeout, and it was a surprising effort by Noah Ramirez because this was the best outing we've seen from him in a long time. Nowadays, when Noah Ramirez is out there on the mound, I start to form a headache, and I keep the Advil or the aspirin next to me, but not tonight. Noah Ramirez, very clean outing, and Toy Lovello had the trust in him because I would not have gone with Noah Ramirez in a very nip-and-tuck game like this, but good job by Lovello to do that. And the third check mark I had for Lovello was... Um, bringing Rojas and Dalton Varsho off the bench because it totally worked out in this game. In the eighth inning, Rojas was the one who got the magic started with a little bunt single, and then he's just testing the pitcher the whole time on, is he going to steal? Is he not going to steal? Just applying pressure. And then Dalton Varsho, he brings him off the bench, and Varsho off the bench, I mean, 
He is just on a freaking heater in the month of July. And Varsho in this game, the first hit he has is a double right, just a rocket double into the alley. And then later in that eighth inning, Dalton Varsho just gives the D-backs all the insurance runs they need because he breaks it open with a three-run shot. So those are three big check marks by Toy Lovello. And like I said before, I didn't think the D-backs were going to win this game after that Cooper Hummel misplay. Like, this was a great comeback, and without Toy Lovello's managing, I don't think it happens. In a game this close, it felt like that break that the Giants got with the Cooper Hummel play, I felt like that break was going to be the deciding factor in this game. I thought it was going to be the reason why the Giants won this game, but it wasn't just Toy Lovello's great managing that won this game. It was also the poor managing... I gave Kapler because as good as Toy Lovello was in this game, I think Kapler was equally as bad because I think the Giants really gifted the D-backs this win. I think the D-backs took this win, but I also think in the same vein, the Giants lost this game because Kapler in that eighth inning, it was really just the eighth inning where Kapler just, it's like head-scratching move after head-scratching move because he just leaves in Leon way too long in the ballgame. It's not like D-backs fans are going to complain. We're all on D-backs Twitter saying, Thank you for keeping Leon in because Leon just throwing wild pitches. He's just throwing ball after ball. Like Leon is not able to throw a strike. He's just walking guys left and right. And he's the reason why the D-backs are able to at least get one run in. And then what does Gabe Kapler do after Leon? You would think you would go with a more trustworthy reliever. And Doval has been very good this season. So let me not act like he hasn't been a trustworthy reliever. But he brings in Doval after Leon and what happens a three-run shot by Dalton Varsho now we could just say Dalton Varsho has been hot so let's give him more credit than giving negativity to Gabe Kapler but that was his decision he could have gone with different reliever he chose Doval and those are the results so you got to live with the results that Gabe Kapler put up there and they were not very good so this was just a beautiful D-backs win overall. But some other highlights from this game, I just want to give a few quick shout-outs. Perdomo was huge at the bottom of the order, had a couple hits with full counts. He had that huge double that gave the D-backs their first run of the game and kept the game tied for a really long time. So I thought Perdomo was huge at the bottom of the order. Alec Thomas, I mean, I said it on Twitter. If this man is not a Gold Glove finalist, I'm going to lose my mind. The D-backs defense has been, by the numbers, one of the best defenses in baseball, and I think if you look at the D-backs defensive statistics, since Alec Thomas has been called up, it's been one of the best defenses in baseball, specifically in the outfield. Like, I don't know how you get a base hit against that D-backs outfield when you have Alec Thomas running around center field, Dalton Varsho running around right, and then you just got uh, the, the coolest calmest guy in David Peralta manning left field like it's impossible to get a hit you have to hit them where they ain't and they can track down most balls like you're not getting many balls over the heads of Alec Thomas and Dalton Varsho those guys off the bat have great instincts and can absolutely just fly to the baseball so um Alec Thomas the whole center field or the whole outfield defense has been great over the last couple of months. And Alec Thomas has been a huge reason why making jumping wall, leaping grabs. He's robbed home runs earlier this year from Joey Votto. Like Alec Thomas is putting together a defensive highlight reel. And if he never works out as an offensive player, you can at least bet that Alec Thomas is going to be like a Jackie Bradley level major league baseball player. And that still keeps you in the game for like a decade plus. Another highlight, Dalton Varsho, like I said, just officially hot. He's been hotter as the what Mark Jones from ESPN, the NBA announcer, he always says, hotter than fish grease. That's what Dalton Varsho has been this month. And then 
My last shout out from this D-backs game goes to Buddy Candy because he had a clutch at bat. I was nervous. One out, bases loaded. That's a very nerve-wracking situation for D-backs fans because that just feels like an automatic double play or a strikeout, and then the next guy comes up and does nothing with the two outs because that has been the story of the D-backs season all year. But Buddy Candy, it, it felt like... It felt like we were going to have that same situation again where a guy strikes out with bases loaded one out because you had two strikes on Buddy Candy, and he's a rookie. He hasn't had a lot of time on the Major League Baseball level. A cup of coffee, but Buddy Kennedy, I shouldn't have doubted him. He's been one of the clutches D-backs players since he got called up, and with that high inside fastball, I don't even know what the pitch was, but it was high and tight, and Buddy Candy gave it a ride and just a ride the D-backs needed to give them a lead before Dalton Varsho came up and broke it open. So great D-backs win, a better comeback, and if we had to hand out three stars of the game, I'm going to give one star to um, Dalton Varsho for what he did off the bench. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal. Three RBIs, he had a three-run shot, he had a double my second star of the game, this one's a little tougher, but I think I'm going to give it to Perdomo, who had two hits at the bottom of the order. He had a walk, and he's the reason why the D-backs got their first lead of the game. And then my third star of the game was going to go to the manager, Toy Lavello, who I think gets his first star of the season. Great job managing this ball game. It was a great comeback by the D-backs, and now the D-backs have beaten the Giants. Let me double-check because I always get the D-backs schedule wrong. Let me double-check. Um, yep, D-backs have beaten the Giants in a series. Great series win by the D-backs, and we should be talking to Ben Kaspik of Locked On Giants tomorrow, so we're definitely going to be giving him some shit, or excuse me, I'm not allowed to say that word. We're definitely going to be giving Ben Kaspik some crap about this D-backs series win over his team, the San Francisco Giants. Now, I want to talk about a certain D-backs player that has been hotter than fish grease in the month of July it has been a huge catalyst for their offense this month and maybe one day it will lead to some D-backs jewelry but if you want some jewelry for that special someone in your life you need to head to BlueNile.com because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring each ring is one of a kind just like her looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing blue now had jewelry experts on hand 24 7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget make your moment sparkle with jewelry from bluenile.com and locked on listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more this podcast exclusive includes engagement use code locked on that's code locked on plus every order is insured ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside shop stress-free and find your ever peace go to bluenile.com today And remember, remember, part two and part three recorded before the game. Let's get into it. Now I want to talk about who has been the D-backs catalyst in the month of June because the D-backs offense so far this June has been a lot better than what we've seen in the month of May and the um, mostly the, or excuse me, I'm so confused. 
So far, this month of July has been way better offensively than the month of June. I had my months confused for a second because there has been a big catalyst in this D-backs lineup that has really put it together so far to start this month of July after struggling mightily in the month of June, and his name is Dalton Varsho because the D-backs as a team we know was terrible offensively last month, the month of June. They just couldn't do anything as a team. You look up and down the lineup like, yeah, Kelton Marte still had his 270 average and 800 plus OPS, and outside of that, like, Pretty much every everyday player for the D-backs last month was just absolutely atrocious. And Dalton Varsho is one of those players that was just terrible last season. But so far to start the month of July, he's been a lot better. And it has translated to the offense for the D-backs because the D-backs currently... As I'm recording this before today's D-backs game, or I guess when you guys are listening to this before last night's D-backs game. So before the second game of the series against the Giants, that's when I'm recording this part of the podcast. The D-backs going into the second game were tied for their longest streak of the season with at least five runs being scored of four straight games. Think about that. The D-backs have only scored at least five runs in four straight games two other times this season, and this is the longest streak they're on right now. They're tied for the longest streak right now, and so if they score at least five runs tonight, it would be the longest streak the D-backs have all season of scoring at least five runs, which would make it five straight games, and a big reason why they're able to do that, a big reason why they're able to put up at least five runs a game, which is kind of like the bare minimum, four to five runs a game is what a team should be putting up on average, and the D-backs... This season typically have not been able to do that, but they've been able to do that over the last five games. And a big reason why is because of Dalton Varsha, who is just finally, I mean, he still needs a larger sample size, but he's starting to look like he's heating up after that terrible month of June where he had a 176 average and a 488 OPS in the month of June. Again, 176 average, 488 OPS in the month of June. 22 strikeouts to 16 hits total. The man had way more strikeouts than hits, and that's probably the biggest knock on Dalton Varsho's game, at least last month, and maybe throughout his whole career, like Dalton Varsho. Fantastic player dynamic player one of my favorite athletes to watch in baseball right now it's not just because he's a d-backs guy it's because he can do a little bit of everything but the big knock on Dalton Varsho the man likes to strike out a lot there's a lot of games where he has maybe as many strikeouts as hits if not more and we saw in the month of June more strikeouts than hits but so far in the month of July he's starting to turn it around in July so far entering game two of the series against the Giants Six for 14, six RBIs, one home run, and one stolen base. His numbers this month are pretty much as good as any month he's had so far in terms of home runs, RBI. Like, I think the most RBIs he's had in the month this season is 12. He already has six. The most home runs he's had in the month is two. He's already got one this month. Like, Dalton Varsho is off to a very nice start in the month of July, and the D-backs have desperately needed it. We're seeing him drive the ball a little bit more and strike out a little bit less. And if you just kind of look at... Dalton Varsho's splits month by month is kind of interesting because he's basically been good every other month when you look at the splits. He wasn't good that first month. He was fantastic that second month, terrible that third month, and now he's back to being good. So hopefully the good months can prevail as the season moves on because if you remember last season, he was someone that struggled mightily before the All-Star break. But post-All-Star break, Dalton Varsho came back like a new man last season because seriously, before the All-Star break last year, it was like, is Dalton Varsho ready for the major leagues? There's a lot of questions. Should he be sent back to the minors? I think he did spend a little bit of time in the minors last year because he just did not look like a major league player last year. He did not look ready, at least in that first half of the season last year. But post-All-Star break, Dalton Varsho had a 290 average, an 
879 OPS and 10 home runs in 60 games. Before the All-Star break in 35 games, 143 average, a 464 OPS, and just one home run. He basically doubled his numbers across the board and added 10 more home runs to that home run total. He was easily looking like an All-Star in the second half of last season, which is kind of sad because if he put up the second half he had in the first half last year he might have been a d-backs all-star which is really phenomenal so can he get back to that all-star form in the second half this season well this is what he needs to work on and it's really something we've already touched on and it's twofold he has to get better at drawing walks while also striking out less it's very simple it's a very you know it's not a very minutia topic right saying he has to walk more and strike out less like that's an obvious thing you want all your players to do that but for Dalton Varsho it's even more apparent because the first two years in the league for Dalton Varsho walk percentage it was around 10 percent this is someone that got on base via the walk around 10% of the time his first two years in the league. But this season, it's only around 6.5%. That is a drastic drop-off when you're playing little percentages like this. 10% to 6.5% with walks is a big drop-off. That's like, I don't know how many more walks, but think about how many opportunities where Dalton Varsho came up with runners in scoring position and he struck out. Imagine if all those were instead strikeouts, instead they were walks and he got on base. Imagine... How many games would have been different if those Dalton Varsho strikeouts were walks instead? Because his strikeout to walk ratio is way higher this year than any other Dalton Varsho season. So I think that's the biggest thing he has to work on. It's just striking out less and walking more. And maybe it's because of the philosophy with the new hitting coach. Maybe the D-backs are being more aggressive. But you look at like the swing percentages as the D-backs team. Like The D-backs are one of the teams that chase pitches out the strike zone the least in major league baseball like this d-backs team takes a lot of pitches they don't swing at a lot of pitches and they don't chase a lot of pitches so it's been frustrating to see dalton varsho be the one striking out so much because we know his level of talent we know how good he is and this d-backs team actually has pretty good play discipline but dalton varsho is someone that has struggled a little bit with that this season so i think that's the biggest area he needs to improve upon but let me throw a, a quick positive to dalton varsho before we wrap up because even though we said he needs to work on all these things, even though we're hoping his second half could be a lot better than his first half, just like how it was last year, I still want to give, uh, I still want to shine a little light on this season, despite it feeling a little bit of an up and down season, some struggles, some high notes, some low notes for Dalton Varsho. I still want to highlight that he's basically matched all his career highs that he's put up last season and basically 20 less games. Like if you look at Dalton Varsho's stats just straight across the board, they're basically the same as what it was last year even his slash line so basically is what i'm saying is is if dalton varsho has another great second half like he did last year he's not only going to be playing like an all-star he's going to be looking like an all-star every day post all-star break because last year post all-star break he kind of looked like an all-star this year, he has already shown flashes pre-All-Star break of looking like an All-Star. And if he is able to take another leap after All-Star break like he did last year, this man might look like an All-Star every day. And we might actually be talking about a star in the making for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, I want to do our trade candidate power rankings. And if you want to bet on a D-back being traded this season, you need to head to betonline.net because it's your number one source for your betting needs and sports info. Find the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. 
BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's get back into the podcast and I want to discuss the power rankings. I want to do an early trade deadline primer because we're about four weeks or so out from the MLB trade deadline. I want to discuss some candidates for the D-backs because we're basically in the stretch run of trade deadline season. Over the next month, how the D-backs play as a team, how their certain players on this team plays is going to determine who gets moved at the trade deadline, who's a keeper, who's a seller, who's a buyer, all those fun trade deadline terms. Are the D-backs going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline? I'm leaning towards sellers as of July 5th, the time of the D-backs, you know, at the time of me recording this, not the time of the D-backs recording, but at the time of me recording this on July 5th at 7.35 p.m., I am leaning toward the sell job for the D-backs. But over the next four weeks, if somehow the D-backs get hot, starting with this series against the Giants, if the D-backs get hot, I don't have any... I don't have any faith or hope in this, but if somehow they get hot and get within four and a half games of the wild card race, then I'll change my expectations for the D-backs at the trade deadline. But right now, I'm going to do this topic like the D-backs are going to be sellers. If they continue at this rate, the D-backs will be around a 70-win team like I thought in the preseason, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't be sellers at the deadline if they can you know, uh, get back some interesting young pieces and also call up some young guys to replace the dudes we're trading for the rest of the season. I think that would be pretty interesting if the D-backs become sellers at the deadline. Let's start calling up the young guys and seeing what they got. So let's do a little power ranking of the guys who I think are most likely to be traded by the D-backs, especially depending on their play over the next few weeks. Should I start with the bottom or the top? I think I'm going to start with the top and do the, would it be reverse order? I'm not too sure, but we're going to start, I guess it would be reverse order power rankings because a lot of people like to start at the bottom, work their way to the top, but I think this is more fun working our way from the top to the bottom. So let's start with number one on my list. And unfortunately, it's fan favorite, David Peralta, who I think is probably the most likely D-backs candidate to be traded. He's got a pretty good good slash line like David Peralta's stats I think have been kind of underrated at least by me personally I think I've kind of underrated the season David Peralta has had in my mind he hasn't been as good as I thought this year but when I look at his baseball baseball reference I don't know why it sounded like I couldn't speak when I look at his baseball reference and his stat line like David Peralta's having a pretty good season. Is he an all-star this year? No, he's not an all-star, but see, uh, an above-average major leaguer? Yeah, David Peralta has been an above-average major leaguer this year, and he could greatly improve any outfield of a contender that actually needs him. He could basically be the Eddie Rosario or the Jorge Sailor, Jorge Soler to someone Atlanta Braves team if they want to make a run. I don't want to get Soler's name wrong because I am Hispanic. I want to put the respect on his name. So, 
Peralta he's got like a 250 average 800 OPS slash line like he's right around that right around there in terms of his numbers I don't know why I'm starting to struggle to speak all of a sudden with 11 home runs I think that was the most surprising part of the D-backs uh, or excuse me of Dave Peralta's slash line when I looked at it was 11 home runs I, I knew he had power I knew he had pop I guess I didn't realize he had 11 already this season I guess I felt like it was more like last season where he was more of a doubles triples guy than a home run guy but Dave Peralta might get back to that 2025 home run power which would be huge for his trade value he's a guy that actually gets better with runners in scoring position and his numbers stay the same in high leverage moments like you can absolutely trust him with men on the bases in a big spot Dave Peralta is easily one of the clutchest guys on this D-backs team and I don't know after Ketel Marte like Dave Peralta might be the guy I want to I want up at the plate when it comes to bases loaded or run scoring situation he's a great defender we can't forget this is a guy who's consistently in the gold glove um who's a consistently a gold glove candidate and he's also in the final final year of his deal so he's gonna be cheap i think he's making like around eight million dollars like david peralta won't break your bank and you're adding a really good defensive outfielder a veteran with some pop clutch i think he's the most likely guy to be trade to be traded at the deadline for all those reasons i just mentioned maybe i'm starting to struggle to speak because i'm kind of distracted by this d-backs game like i said i'm recording this actually during the game so the d-backs got the D-backs don't have, they have allowed bases loaded with two outs, two strikes, and we got Middleton on the mound. So we're definitely going to be talking about this. Um, I'm going to be talking about this after the game for sure. That's going to be segment number one at the time of you guys listening. So I should probably um, get off this soapbox already. But number two on this Trey Candidate Power Rankings, I'm going to have Mark Melanson, which might seem like a surprise because guess what? I know Mark Melanson has not been good this season, but guess what? I think he would be a reclamation project for someone and Middleton got out the inning. I think someone could convince themselves that Mark Melanson could be good in their situation. They probably just look at the history of Mike Hayes and signings and they're like, this guy doesn't know what to do with a bullpen. Tori Lovello doesn't know what to do with these aging veterans. And we traded someone like Joaquin Sori last year who struggled with the D-backs, but we were able to move him to the Blue Jays. So I think Mark Melanson is going to be the same kind of thing. He's owed like $6 million this year. He's got like a $7 million option next year. This was the guy who led the National League in saves last year and was an all-star. Like, it's not that far removed from Mark Melanson being one of the best closers in baseball. It just hasn't worked out for the D-backs. So I could definitely see a contender tricking themselves into thinking that Mark Melanson could be the closer or at least a back-end reliever for them. Number three on my trade candidate power rankings, I got Madison Bumgarner. And you can make the argument maybe... You can make the argument maybe Mad Bum should be number two, number one on this list. Maybe he should be higher, but I can't put him higher than number three just because he's owed $60 million over the next three years. That's including this year. And listen, I know he's having a fantastic season by his standards in a D-backs uniform, but... I don't know how many teams are going to be believers of Madison Bumgarner when he's owed basically $20 million a year. People might like the way that Mad Bum looks, but they also saw we look like his first two years in Arizona, and if they think he's going to regress back to the mean, I don't know if they want to pay that guy $20 million a year. And he's also... I don't know how many teams would be dubious of what Mad Bum looks like without Brent Strom. Like, I think everyone knows Brent Strom is like King Midas. Like, Mad Bum did not look good the last two years. Then all of a sudden, Brent Strom comes over and Mad Bum's back to looking like a, not an all-star, but at least a number two starter, number three starter in a rotation. So maybe teams would actually be dubious and have some concerns of what Mad Bum would look like outside the Brent Strom situation. But there's also a lot of dumb teams out there that are willing to 
make crazy moves and just take the risk on guys like a mad bum. And I wouldn't take the risk on a mad bum. Like I told Sully baseball, like if I'm Minnesota, I am definitely not giving up a blue chip prospect for massive Bumgarner. but the D backs are able to swindle the team and get like someone's like, I don't know, 10th best prospect. Like if we could get someone's 10th to 15th best prospect from their organization for Madison Bumgarner, and maybe we have to pay like 10% of his contract. I'm down to do that deal. I just feel like it's too hard to move mad bum on that contract without Brent Strom also being thrown in the deal. And the number four in my power ranking, I'm leaving this up to you guys, the listeners, because I put other here. I made like a multiple choice test. And maybe I'll put this as a poll on Twitter. Follow me at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram. Just search up the podcast handle because I could do a little Twitter poll. Who do you think is most likely to be traded? I'll put Peralta as an option. I'll put Melanson as an option. I'll put Mad Bum as I'll put Mad Bum as an option. Now I'll put other as the fourth option because for other, I have three names listed actually. I have Merrill Kelly, who you guys probably don't want to hear as a trade candidate, but he is a guy in his early to mid-30s. Maybe a contender looks at Kelly and says he's the perfect guy we need in the back end of our rotation. He makes between seven and eight and a half million dollars over the next three years. So he's definitely cost friendly. He's been pretty good this season. He's been pretty good like the last three years. Like low-key, he's been probably the best. The second best D-back starter, of course, Zach Allen's the best, but he's easily the second best D-back starter over the last three years, and he's kind of been the healthiest. He's been kind of the workhorse for the D-backs over the last three years, so I could definitely see a team talking themselves into Merrill Kelly, and I think that would be the right decision by that team. The other candidate, I have, I have two other candidates written down here under other. I have Ian Kennedy, who has been way better than Mark Melanson this year. I just feel like there's a little bit more equity built in with Mark Melanson. I just feel like people still view him as a, a higher valued asset than uh, Ian Kennedy, even though Ian Kennedy's having a better season. And Kennedy's on just a one-year deal, so it, it probably wouldn't take much to acquire him from the D-backs because I doubt the D-backs are going to get a good prospect back in the Ian Kennedy trade. And then the last guy who I don't want to see traded, but could be a potential candidate for someone is Christian Walker, who is still arbitration eligible for like another couple years. And he just crushes balls. He's going to be cheap for someone. And if you're just talking about a defensive first baseman that could get you 30 home runs, like Christian Walker is perfect. I don't know, a contender, he's probably someone's like number six hitter. But if your number six hitter is getting you like 30 plus home runs and playing some of the best defense at first base in the league, most contenders would definitely take that, and I could see a contender making the calls for Christian Walker. I just hope Mike Hazen hangs up the phone just because I think he's so cheap, and he's still like in his early 30s, and he crushes the ball. Like I don't want to see Christian Walker traded. I just feel like the value there would definitely not be a positive net value. Like It probably won't be a positive net value in any of these trades, but I could understand the Peraltas, the Melansons, and the Madbums trades. I just wouldn't understand a Christian Walker trade. So for that reason, I would at least keep him on the D-backs roster. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked on MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces!